0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So the Utah Jazz couldn't be hotter. They're leading the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. Is this sustainable?
1: Uh, yeah, you know it is. I, I, you know we talked about this last week, but I mean they they are playing uh, <clears throat> a lot of teams under five hundred. The next seven games they play, the last three they played, have all been under. so they're gonna play ten games of teams that are below five hundred. So that that probably to a certain degree impacts it as well. But the one thing about shooting is that once you get confident that that basket seems like it's four feet wide and they are shooting the ball well so i would i would think that it will continue to maybe not quite at the clip or pace it is right now but i think they're a very confident basketball team and these next seven or eight games again with teams that are under 500 even some of them on the road it's always tough to win on the road they continue shooting like that um you know they got the potential to be 30 and 12 here in a, in a, in a couple of weeks probably won't happen you're probably going to have a hiccup or two maybe on the road but uh they're playing well uh they're They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's winning against teams that they're better than.
2: This three-point shooting obviously has been sensational, but one of the lost arts is the mid-range. And it seems like Mitchell has perfected that. And rather than continue to do the floater and maybe take something in traffic, if you break the defense a little bit, pull up and, for whatever reason... He is just awesome at that, and I'm looking for that to continue as far as him using that as opposed to the floater. How much better do you think that shot is than to shoot the floater when you're on the run?
1: Well, I, I mean, for me personally, uh, that when I played, you know, that shot didn't exist, and, and it, over the last few years it's become a really popular shot. But for me, just having been a player, that pull-up, whether it's at 10 feet, 12 feet, or 15 feet, you just more—it just seems like you're way more balanced, and it's uh, something that you've done over and over. Uh, so it, for for me, I, I know that at the at every level, high school, junior college, Division One, the NBA, everybody's shooting that floater because it's a pretty popular shot. Uh, but for me, you're right. Donovan Mitchell has—you know—he he can just stop and pop and and pull up, and he's got such explosiveness that. Uh, He's never going to have a hard time getting that off, even when he's playing against larger defenders. So personally, I, I love that shot. I know that everything is about the three and, or, or a layup, and that permeates everything from high school through the NBA today. That's kind of the way people play. But um, I, I think having that part of your game and having that being part of your offensive structure is something that makes you a little bit different today. And uh, it, it's a really effective way to knock shots down, especially when your legs get tired late in the game. Rather than taking a three that maybe uh, fatigue is set in, uh, you take that little pull-up 12-footer and your money. So there are a number of guys in the league that shoot that shot, but not, not, uh, it's, it's not something that is as uh, popular and prevalent as it was 20 years ago.
0: You coaches, you always end up chasing your tail, right? One guy makes an adjustment, then you adjust to his adjustment, and he adjusts to your adjustment, and it just keeps going on and on until everybody's head can spin. So the Jazz were running pick and rolls, and they were getting Rudy an NBA record number of dunks, and Donovan Mitchell was getting layups. So teams decided, well, we're just going to have our big guy drop back into the paint, and we're taking that stuff away. So the Jazz... Tried Jeff Green, but he's only making 32% of his threes. So now they're playing Niang at the four. He sets the pick in the pick and roll. And if the big guy drops him the paint, which he keeps doing, Niang gets a wide-open three, so he goes five for eight in Orlando. I know. So what's the I adjustment? Hate. Is it going to be to bring the big man back out? Are we going to start seeing more Rudy Dunks and more Donovan Mitchell layups? Or are they just going to let Niang shoot threes forever, and this guy's going to uh, get wide-open shots the rest of his life?
1: You know, I think you make adjustments as a coaching staff, and your in-game coach, You know, adjustments happen all the time. And, you know, the fact that Nang had 17 and Moutier had 13 at Orlando, I mean, that that isn't something that you would have expected. And had they not done that, they'd probably lose Orlando. Uh, but it, it's it's what happened. They, they took what they were given. Um, I think that, is, that just instills so much confidence when coaches tell a guy that hasn't been playing significant minutes – Hey, take that shot. That's one you can make. But uh, there, there are going to be adjustments, and I, I don't think that's going to change—in from game adjustments to game-to-game adjustments. But yeah, I, I think you do. You always try to force people that uh, you know aren't averaging twenty-five, twenty-six points. You know, let's let's make somebody else beat us. I mean, that—that's a very popular phrase. Let's have someone else beat us. And in that case, against Orlando, those two did play a huge impact. And. Uh, so anytime you have that kind of versatility and you have that flexibility to play different ways with different personnel, you know, whether it's starters or off the bench, and that have that kind of depth and confidence. And, and the thing about it right now is, is that this is such a great stretch where you know, you're, you're, you're not playing the elite teams in the league. Not to, Hey, listen, you can be beat by anybody in this league. There, there, there are pros on every team, and if you don't come prepared to, to play, you're going to get beat. But this is a wonderful time, with about half the you know the games left after this to be playing with the greatest confidence that they have. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I still don't think. I think, I think right now, you know, they're within a game of being in second place. One, you know, one loss from the difference between second and fifth right now. But they're, they're certainly putting themselves in a position to uh, to maybe have a first round home game.
2: So I think this year, if Gobert doesn't make the All Star team, it's an absolute joke. What do you think?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we, we we see him and watch him, and he, he just changes the game. And uh, and and sometimes, you know, whether it's rebounds or blocks or whatever, but just his presence alone—whether he blocks a shot or not—but people have to change their shots. Uh, he, he just he has a, such a presence there. That uh, offensively and defensively, that's so unique. Not very many players like Rudy. I mean, there's some bigs that do certain things, but uh, he's so long and athletic, and uh, you know, he just always seems to come ready mentally and emotionally to play. You don't see him just kind of drop. Even if he doesn't score a lot, he's always there at the defensive end, which makes Utah pretty special because you just can't do this. With with you know if you if you don't you know, I mean the Lakers and the Clippers you know they, they obviously have some superstar power, and uh, and I, I think we we've, we've got some superstars in the making certainly Donovan Mitchell is one of the top players in the league, but if you don't have that you you got to be able to defend, and uh, and the teams that defend in this league and execute like Utah, are are, are the ones that are going to be in you know the top two or three of each of the of the conferences and Utah's proven they've been a pretty good defensive team now offensively they're doing special things. And ironically, they're kind of doing it without Conley. I, I haven't heard when, – when is Conley expected back?
0: Very quiet on that front. No guarantees. The okay. fact he already came back once and he was hurt by the third quarter, I think they're going to be really patient, really conservative, and I don't think they want to put anything out there. Ever since the Carlos Boozer uh, thing lingered and jazz fans got really bitter at Boozer in a way they rarely get bitter at jazz fans – uh, the Jets have been really careful about any expectations for players to come back. And that's going back a good, decade. It's a
1: good time to rest him. You know, it's a really good time to rest them. Now you get confident guys and he comes back. Uh, there's not as much pressure on him to immediately have to, you know, perform. He, he can kind of transition into that situation, be kind of seamless. And, uh, and everybody else has gotten better while he's been out.
0: So you've got the Fresno State connection with uh, Paul George. And the Clippers over the weekend gave up 140 points (coughs) and lost to the Memphis Grizzlies and then gave up 45 points to the Knicks in the first quarter. And I know NBA guys get hot. I know they came back and won the game 135-132. But Doc Rivers' head's got to be exploding. 272 points in two games against lottery teams at home. What is going on? You know, I mean,
1: obviously, Paul didn't play in the one
0: game, and and
1: he is a big part of what they do defensively. It's a long season, and, you know, it seems like that the Clippers, you know, when 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 they they don't play like that when they're playing the Lakers or playing, you know, the, the top teams. And what's happened, it just, it just seems in the last week or two that they get really up for certain games, and, and there's kind of an immaturity with that team right now defensively where – they just kind of go through the motions, and, and they do have a lot of weapons. And the, the fact that Paul or, or, or Kawhi can fit and they can still win games because Lou Williams is going for 25 or Harrell's going for 20, you know, Harrell's going for 25. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that can score, but I don't know. It, it, it just, they have just been going through the motions, and they can't play like that. I mean, you can't there, – there's no question in my mind that they can beat anybody in this league on any given day, any place, because they have depth and they play hard. But it's just interesting. It seems like when they play the marquee teams, they, they really get up and they compete, and then they just kind of look past it. And that, that's kind of an immature, uh, youthful type thing. So I'm sure Doc is going crazy, and they're probably getting an earful. But that, that's unbelievable. I mean, that, that's just absolutely unacceptable. You know, Patrick Beverly for a while was out. He's come back, and he seems to be the guy that's the glue guy defensively gets everybody going. But um, yeah, I, I I don't understand that. It just didn't make any sense. even if even if Paul or Kawhi or both don't play, uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're playing at home.
2: So, are we going to hand Mark Pope the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year already?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably a little early for that. He, he's done a really good job, and uh, you know, as, as you look at BYU uh, analytics and everything else, I mean, they're a team that right now is in the N C two A tournament. Now, there's there's a lot of games. I, I, what's interesting about this WCC, obviously Gonzaga's picked to win it every, each year, but I, I don't know if you were following those game scores, but, I mean, Pepperdine's down three twice in the last minute, minute and a half, has a chance to tie or win that game. And uh, and I, I know the Pepperdine group really well, and uh, and they've got some seniors, Edwards, and, and, and they've got a really good point guard there, but Colby Ross, who had 24 points, but it's just interesting to see St. Mary's get beaten quadruple overtime uh, to UOP, a team that's really struggled this year. They're 14 and 4, uh, but BYU's been really consistent and uh, they, defensively. I mean, holding LM, and LMU is not very good, and they have a hard time making baskets. And but to hold that team to 38 points, you know, when BYU's winning 63 to 38, that's telling you that they don't need to score 80 or 90 to win and because they are guarding and they've they've got kind of a toughness where they share the ball, they're playing smart. You know, they're doing the things they need to do, and that's what veteran teams do. So, you know what, Uh, I I don't think you're going to get an argument from anybody that, you know what, BYU, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga's the the favorite, obviously, for the things they've done, but I, I wouldn't sleep on BYU. I wouldn't sleep on St. Mary's. I mean, look at UOP. I mean, there's there's teams you can play in this league if you're not ready to play, especially on the road. You're going to get beat. St. Mary's found that out in four overtimes. And uh, I think the thing that Gonzaga has is as they get healthy and get everybody back, they have some depth and and coming off the bench. But uh, I, I like I like BYU. Mark Mark's done a really good job. There, there's a lot of energy, and he's very fortunate to inherit a group of guys that are veterans, and then. Obviously, getting Yoli to come back and having Jake Toulson and Alex, you know, uh, the, they're, they're they've they're playing well and they're playing well. And we'll see what happens. They get their first big test against St. Mary's, and you know, St. Mary's is going to be ready after losing a four overtime game to ULP. So that should be a great game to uh, for BYU goes in there and wins. That makes a significant statement to the league that hey, we're playing for you know, a WCC championship. Uh, But they've got to go in there and do that. I mean, for them to get to the next level in this league, and they've never got to that tier where it was them and Gonzaga or them and St. Mary's coming down to the last week or two to win the league championship, a regular season. But a win on the road at St. Mary's makes a pretty big statement if they can do that.
0: So the Utes and the Aggies both lose at home to nationally ranked teams. I don't want you to use a phrase like moral victory or anything, but is there any uh, form of encouragement you can take out of either one of those games, or uh, those are just hard losses and you got to move on?
1: Well, I, I think you do recognize that they're playing really good teams, and uh, San Diego State, wow. They've, uh, they've just – I mean, it's just conceivable they could go undefeated. and I mean, I just – I don't see that happen. I just can't imagine somebody that, – that team in that league – Go 16 games and not not lose a game because there's some tough places to play on the road. But San Diego State is, is playing really well. So no, you don't you don't go away from that game thinking, "Wow, we just got beat by somebody we shouldn't have got beat by." That's a really good basketball team. Same thing with Utah. You know, I mean, Utah had a good win against OSU, and uh, and had opportunities. I mean, they shoot 30 percent from the three at home, that that killed them. And then they also got out rebounder, which very seldom happens to Utah. But you know they're right there. Utah had a chance in the last two and a half minutes. They're down a basket, and and uh, they just couldn't get over the top. The Oregon's obviously the fourth ranked team in the country. They're athletic and long. I think Coach Kristobiak and and uh, the youths have. Uh, I mean they've played to their potential. I mean they're playing six or seven guys, and uh, I really the the, the young man uh, Young uh, as a young player's come in, and Ryland Jones who's come in as a freshman. Uh, they've really had a big impact on that team. So, no, I mean, you, you hate to lose anything, any game, but they—they they certainly. Well, it's how they how they react and how they recover from those losses that's really going to determine how uh, what kind of season both those teams are going to have. I mean, everybody picked Utah State to win that conference, right now. That doesn't appear to be the situation. They've had some close games. They've won close games, but uh, losing at home kind of makes a pretty strong statement for San Diego State winning the conference.
2: That Utah situation to me is fascinating because, you know, you were there for literally when it was at its peak and had to go up against it every year. And so you know about you saw it firsthand. And obviously, you know, generationally Utah fans expect to go to the NCAA tournament, if not even go to the Sweet Sixteen. And so if they I don't know that they'll get there this year. Currently they're not in. No no one's in really, obviously, but their ranking and all that stuff would indicate that it's gonna be hard. They still got work to do that can get them there. But if they don't It'll be a streak of like four years that they haven't gone, but they got so many young guys. Uh, Do you see a potential sticky situation because it seems, as far as uh, Larry's security, because it seems like with so many young guys, if he can get them to stay, they're on to something. But at the same time, it's been a number of years that they haven't been in the in the NCAA tournament.
1: No, I hear what you're saying. That would be the 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 biggest mistake that that institution ever met made if, if the hierarchy of that institution is the size of Larry Kasovic, shouldn't be coaching. Uh, obviously, he, they, they've gone a few years. You're right, the expectations. Um, this is a time to be a little bit patient. This group, and, and I don't know all the names of the guys, but I've, I, I've followed them. They've, they've signed two really good freshman shooters coming in. Loner kid, that six, seven kid who was recruited by everybody. Uh, they've got some really good shooters coming into the program. They're not losing anything here. Uh, I, I think this is a team that for sure is an NC2. I mean, I I can't see them not getting into the NCAA tournament next year. I mean, I think they're a tournament team. And, and it's not to say they couldn't get there this year, but you're right. The, it's a pretty uphill road, and the conference is better this year. But I think Larry's done one of his best coaching jobs this year. So I, I, I get what you're saying, and there's always all sorts of noise from the fan base and from social media, but uh, – I, I've been around Larry a little bit uh, in, in the last few months, and I just feel like he's in, in, in maybe one of the best places he's ever been as a coach. And that team, they're very together. And uh, I just that that would be a colossal mistake to even even start that kind of tripping, especially if it came from the institution. Hey, it's going to come from the fan base. I mean, that's just part part of the business, you know. And you're right; those fans were spoiled. They've had great great teams there, and they've had a great run. and so It's a proud program for many years. But uh, this is not the time to be thinking about changing. When you actually have a really tight knit group that are playing together, they believe in each other. I mean, they've competed. There have been very few games where they haven't been in games. And considering that they've got six or seven freshmen, and some of them even aren't really aren't even contributing as much as they will in the future. So, uh, no, I, I I like this team. I I think that uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament, but. At at the end of the day, um, there's a nucleus here that can do special things the next couple of years. To mess that up would be a travesty.
0: You know, I think that, uh, man, I think a million things about this. Uh, I think that as much as Larry has been hurt by not going to the NCAA tournament these last three years, he's also been hurt because he violated Kyle Whittingham's role. Kyle Whittingham says when they take on a player as a transfer, especially if he comes with some baggage, if he's been in some trouble, on or off the field, whatever, he says, and he has said this multiple times, we don't become him, he becomes us. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, it's just one of those things coaches say. But the more I listen to it, the more I think, that is probably what Larry did that got him in with hot water as, with fans as much as anything. We're not going to Utah State. It's a long time tradition. He just broke it. We're not going to play Weber State anywhere, even at home. Another slab in the face. Then the BYU rivalry. None of this has to do with recruiting and winning directly, maybe indirectly, scheduling does. But he irritated a lot of people. And then he didn't go to the NCAA tournament on top of it. Now, there's something to be said for if you're going to go down, go down your way and go down swinging. And I've heard multiple coaches say that. But I also think Donnie Daniels gets it. He gets Utah because he's been here, and he gets college basketball because Utah, UCLA, and Gonzaga have all had their best runs in the last 30 years and gone Final Four with Donnie on the staff, and they haven't done it without him. Donnie must know something. You don't get lucky like that three times in a row. He's got to know something. Do you think Larry will listen to Donnie and not have any more um, self-imposed problems?
1: Let me tell you this. I, 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 I'm you know I'm glad you mentioned that because you're spot on. Uh, I, I was around the program a little bit early in the preseason and had a chance to, to talk to the coaches and 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 I, I've known Donnie a long time and Donnie and I had a chance to kind of reconnect and. It was, uh, it was a great thing, and Donnie is a great person for that staff. But I, I don't know that the culture of this program, you look at the last two or three years, it's never been better right now. And, and certainly Donnie is, is, a, is a resource, and he has so much experience. And obviously, you know, the, all, the whole coaching staff. I mean, Tommy Connors has been there a long time. These are bright coaches that understand it, but the Donnie Daniels does, does bring a perspective there in terms of the culture, in terms of the relationships. And he's someone that, that Larry respects, and, and that's why he's there. That's why he's there. And there have been some issues the last couple of years with losing kids, and, and some of them weren't great citizens. They weren't great people that you'd want in your program. So, you know, you, 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 the, the comments that you made are right. I mean, you, gotta, you come to our program. This is, how we, this is what our culture is. This is how we do things every day. This is how we play. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe that conversation, that narrative never took place. You know, it's like, hey, we know he can play. We're excited to have him. But the guy doesn't buy in. And uh, that can destroy a team. But that's not this team. This team has a culture. They have a group. And Donnie Daniels is a big part of that. And I think what happens, and I, I, I listen, I was a head coach for most of my life in high school and junior college and Division One, And uh, you... Head coaches who don't listen to assistant coaches and don't involve them in that process and don't share ideas and and aren't selfless in their ability to interact with other people, uh, it's hard to last in this business. And Larry's been in this business as a player and as a coach at at every level. Uh, I think he understands that. And uh, that's why I just feel really good about this team and these guys, just having seen that. And I think Donnie Daniels does play a significant role in that.
0: Steve, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Steve Cleveland here every week, our basketball insider. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.